Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Matthew. In this season, it's uh, customary and um, I think appropriate uh, as we move into December and we look forward to uh, the Christmas, the time in which we observe, uh, the time of Christ coming to earth in the form of a babe. We share over and over again this, this Christmas story. And us as pastors have this, this beautiful uh, responsibility and privilege and also challenge of uh, sharing the same story to you over and over again, you know, year after year in, in another way that will serve to be, like I said, inspirational and challenging to you. And so this year the Lord put upon my heart about the importance of realizing that the baby who came was really the king. The baby who came is the king, right? And, and when uh, I was talking with my, my son-in-law and such, and we're talking about the graphics for this, and, and he said, what do, you, what do you think about this? Or put through that out there, the, this Christmas, the king is coming. You know, I'm like, that's, I want people to have a realization, all right, that he's coming to someone new this year. Someone new this year is going to come to know Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be awesome? That on the time in which Jesus, all right, when we're celebrating him coming to bring salvation, that somebody actually experiences salvation. So I think it'd be cool to have the same birthday, all right, a spiritual birthday in this season or in the month and when Jesus is. But also for us to look forward to his return. His return that second time to earth when you and I, um, uh, who really cherish, I mean, how many of you love your families here? How many of you love, how many enjoy life as you're experiencing it right now? Isn't it great, I'm, it's great for me to be a granddad, right? And, and, and to be able just to love on people. I, I love life. And yet as much as I love this life, it's in, in the very absolute best of days that I could ever have upon the face of the earth, your most favorite of days, think about it in heaven that it's going to be ten times a hundred times better than what your, your, your best experience ever is on the face of the earth. Can you even fathom that? Can you get your mind around, you know? It, it's difficult for us because guess what? We live in this world. We haven't experienced what it is to walk and to be in a place where there's no more sorrow, there's no more death, there's no more pain, right? We haven't, we haven't been there, but, but listen, Heaven is a better place than even what we're experiencing on our best day here. And the king is coming, and he's going to fulfill his promise, and he's going to make all things new. Say new. <laughs> How many could use a few new things? New, new, new elbow, right? New, new, new knee, new whatever you got all right, going on. But we, we, we can use some new things. And I want you to know that God, even though he is... Uh, is um, I'll say withholding his return to us. He's getting us ready for it. But the people who are really going to appreciate it are the people who are looking for it. Amen? So I want you to go ahead and look at this scripture verse with me. And it comes from Revelation. Go ahead if you would please. Chapter 1. And we're just going to uh, go read verses 1 through 3 and then 7 and 8. But the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Now, soon for him is a little bit different than us, right? But he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
All right. Blessed is the one who reads the word of this prophecy and are ble- and and blessed are those who hear it and to take heart in what is written in it because the time is near. Say the time is near. Now, understand before we go to the next passage that that this is something that they've been saying for a long time, all right? For hundreds of years before you existed. But I want to tell you something. There is, there is a setting up of things that's happening that that's, makes it ever more clear, ever more evident to me that this, his return is right around the corner. Right around the corner. And, and, and I want to be looking for him. So it says this. Look, he who is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Now, why would people mourn? Because some, right? Some are, some are, we're mourning in the sense it's probably a short, short period of time, all right? But, but some are mourning because it, there's judgments going to come, both to the ones you love and or or to yourself. But so, but so shall it be. He says, "I am the Alpha and the Omega," says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty, right? He is. He always will be. He is whom we're going to spend eternity with. That ought to make you excited. That you can have life forevermore. I know for some people, if they compare the life that they're living here on this earth to life forevermore, some of them are saying, I'm not sure I want to sign up for that because this life isn't all that great. That's why you have to get a picture of how much better the life is going to be when we live in that resurrected, restored state. Amen? So I, I want us to put our minds around this as we, we take a look at a few things, all right? So last week we talked about this. We said that because Jesus has rights, all right? Go ahead and give me that, that, that slide there. It says his rights, right, give us our rights, and we went through the genealogies and we saw how on, on a physical level how Jesus was basically given the right to become the king. We saw that it was, it was important. It's both through the lineage of his father, his earthly father, and his earthly mother. We can see it. We saw last week about how God used some unlikely candidates to be in the lineage of Jesus in his genealogy line, right? But it didn't take away, it didn't diminish the right that he has to be the king. And then we wrapped up and we talked about how important it is for each one of us to realize that we are co-heirs with him. We are joint heirs. And because he has the right to become the king, we have the right to be his co-heirs. And therefore for us is, is these promises that just outside of these world, outside of this world, okay? So today I want to talk to you about this. Go ahead. Next slide, please. This. His arrival gives us supernatural access. Gives us supernatural access into a realm and into a world that, that many people are just... They, they, they don't really get to ever experience. I was reading a t- the testimony uh, just on, online of one of our, our missionaries, um, John Baker David, I think is his name, or John David Baker. <laughs> anyway, and he was just talking about how he was uh, going to the store and he had within his heart this, uh, this desire to just to, to minister to somebody. Now, John 
goes out on a regular basis, okay, and he's looking. He's, he's, he's actually saying, Lord, I believe that you love these people. I've shared this before, not John's testimony, but I think this is the attitude that we need to have, and he's living it out. I believe that you love these people that I'm going to come into interaction with so much, and you love me so much, and you want to be glorified through the life that I live. How about you give me a word for someone? How about you let me bring life into someone, a life-giving word to someone? And so he lives that at that realm, and that's happening to him all the time. And he shared the experience that he had, and it happened to be in a Walmart again. <laughs> Walmart's a, a great place to meet people. You ever notice that? All right. I mean, there's all kinds of people at Walmart, right? You may not like going there. You can do it at Meyer if you want. I don't care. You can do it at Walgreen or CVS, wherever. But, but, but with the intent to meet people, to pour life into them, to give them a word of encouragement. And the Holy Spirit just began to give him some downloads of what was going on in this particular person's life. And he's cautious, and he says, hey, listen, I don't want to seem, you know, freak you out and make you weirded out. He says, but I feel like the Lord's laying on my heart to pray for you. And in my prayers, as I prayed for you, this is some of the things I started to, to see that you may have going on and, and began to share it in a very humble way. I love that. And all of a sudden, it began to bear witness with this person. And it's like, oh, my goodness. And the result was... God is alive and he cares for me. Supernatural access. People are going all over the world and trying to find the insight about what to do next or where to go or, or what's going to happen to my life. And all along the way, we as Christians have the ability to call up and to have conversation with this almighty creator whose name is God or he is the I am and says, listen, I want to do something supernatural for you so that you can give testimony to my existence and my love for all of mankind. His arrival, Jesus' arrival in the form of a babe gave us spiritual, supernatural access unlike we ever had before. So we're going to think about that. And, uh, you know, this, this birth of Jesus Christ, how did it come about? You know, we, we, we talk about some pretty supernatural things. I mean, we know that some babies were, were born to some individuals that were unlikely candidates. How many of you, how many of you know that, that, that babies can, are born to individuals who couldn't bear children for a long period of time, and then all of a sudden they can bear children? Think about some of the biblical examples of, of where that happened. I mean, even the, uh, uh, Samson, right, when he came uh, to, to earth, or came to earth when he was born, he wasn't, it was unlikely for him to be born. To his, his, his parents, we find another situation where uh, Samuel, uh, who was the anointer of kings, was born to Hannah. She was sterile and she was childless. We find that John the Baptist was born to Elizabeth, right, who was Mary's relative. And, and we find that she was barren and well along in years. But God comes into situations that look seemingly impossible. And on a regular basis, he wants to confound the wise, he wants to get and say, listen, this is a remarkable thing that I'm about to do. But the thing concerning Jesus' birth that was different than all of these is that not only was Jesus going to you know, be, be born, but there was going to be an immaculate conception. No involvement of mankind whatsoever except to be the carrier. That's what Mary was going to be. She was going to be the carrier of this Jesus theologians talk about uh, this Virgin Mary and talk about the virgin birth, and, 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 and it's remarkable. And sometimes, though, they try to play it down as, 
as if Mary was just a young maiden and she wasn't really a virgin. I want to let you know that as you do a word study into that, you can get in there and you could see that, that there, when it speaks about and it was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah, it, the very word that is used there speaks about her being a virgin or one who is untouched. It's important for us to realize that God superseded, he suspended all of the natural laws in order to do something supernatural because that's the kind of God that he is. He gave us supernatural access. He is the supernatural access. And so there's some things, though, in this story that we find that happen that really help us to be able to live our life, I think, with meaning today. One of the things are that we have to get over is the dilemmas that we have. So let's go ahead and go into Scripture, if you would, and we're going to read a, a passage here. Go to the next slide there. There we go. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, and while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Go ahead, next one, please. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Go ahead. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. How many of you know that there were some issues? And I, 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 I did meant no disrespect at all to the, the storyline or the scriptures that, that was happening. We talked about some of the drama that was involved, you know, with this, and, and people make up all these types of fantasies and all these things because they want to know what's going to happen next, all right? Well, here, how God is going to work through this seemingly challenging and impossible situation to be glorified, I mean, that, that's a story to be retold over and over again, is it not? So we find here the supernatural arrival of Jesus helps us to overcome dilemmas, how many of us have dilemmas in our lives? <laughs> what is a dilemma? Huh? A setback, a what? A problem, a challenge. A, 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 it can be a choice, all right? A dilemma, right? We find here that, that in this dilemma, the supernatural helps of Jesus helps to solve a dilemma after one is seemingly created, right? Now the scripture verse says this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became a pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the dilemma, right? Now it was ancient custom for Mary to be pledged to be married or betrothed to Joseph. And, and it, depending on who you talk to, and none of us were here, but they try to look at it through historical perspectives about what was happening at that time, Mary could have been as young as 13 years of age when she was actually engaged to be given to Joseph, all right? 
He could have been as a, a, a teenager that could have been six, 17, 18 years of age. And, uh, you know, that was the custom at that time. And, and the period of time in which she was engaged, all right, or pledged, it was all, it was all prearranged by the parents. Kids didn't have any choice in that, all right? They just all set it up, all right? <laughs> now, how many of you are glad that things aren't quite that way today? How many of you wish that it was that way today? Come ahead and raise your hand, all right? Yeah, all right. No one does, huh? You don't want to pick out your son-in-law or your daughter-in-law. You don't want to make sure that, okay. But we find here in these uh, two stages, or in the betrothal stage, the time in which was called the caducian, all right? That's what that was called. The time in which they were being pledged would go sometimes even up to a year. There wouldn't be any contact. There wouldn't be any interaction between, between the, the bride or the husband, um, you know, at all. Uh, the, the families were just uh, taking care of things. And, and uh, a price was paid to guarantee that this guy who was wanting to be pledged to this woman, that he was going to go ahead and be good for it, all right? And so it, it was an interesting arrangement. And then they were all looking forward to the time in which they would experience the hupa. Say hupa. <laughs> which is the wedding ceremony, all right? And finally, the consummation of the two becoming husband and wife. Now, the contract that was sealed or that was made, I said it was a payment, was a dowry or also considered to be a mohar, all right? And, and it, it compensated the father and for all of the things that he had done throughout all of the years, but that they also had to be able to look forward to as far as the future generations that was going to be coming, all right? Now, it's, it's interesting to know that when you're talking about family lineage, very few times did they just look at just one particular generation. When they looked at the family or the legacy of the family, it consisted of a patriarch or matriarch that started a long time ago, and then they got credit for all of the rest of the things that was happening for uh, the future or the, the years that would come after that. You say, well, why is that important? Because they are wanting to make an investment and make sure that you are successful as possible. Now, there seems to be something that happens in American culture today, and that is this severing idea, this idea that we become independent, we raise up our kids, they go ahead and get married, and then we cut them off. Now, that, I don't think that's in all Christian culture, but it is in American culture. It's like, you know what, you're just responsible for your own things. How much different would it be if we instead approach life and understood that even when a person comes of age, that it still is our responsibility as a community to make sure that they succeed. To make sure that they succeed. To still have the conversations. To still have the challenges. To still have the discipline, which is a disciple-making process. To still be able to say, I am here for you. Mary, she was betrothed betrothed to be with Joseph. And um, we find that she's got this, this, uh, this concern. <laughs> um, yeah, you're bringing me this message, right, that I am going to have a child, and there's a problem here. The way I understand things to work, I was supposed to be able to be married or consummate this relationship first. In Luke chapter 1, verse 30, we find the occasion when Gabriel visited Mary and he said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You'll be with child and you will give birth to a son. And, and Mary asked what every, anyone would ask who was in her shoes, how will this be since I am a virgin? 
And then he goes on and explains the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I mean, the, what? Have you ever heard of a thing before? No one's heard of a thing before like that. This is a first. Well, I don't want to be the first. How many of you know you don't want to be the first in some situations like that? You try to explain something that's seemingly impossible to explain. It's, it's a dilemma, is it not? And yet Mary responds after hearing all of this and says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Now there is a connection of a supernatural place right there. They gave her access to be able to see into something, to be able to have this realization that God could do something that has never been done before through an individual such as herself. Now, I don't find, we don't find any place in Scripture that says that, that Mary was haughty or that she was arrogant or she looked upon herself as deserving. Instead, we find just the opposite. Hey, you know what? Uh, she had a realization that who she was talking to was literally divine, was of heaven, was supernatural. And because of that, it gave her an access to be able to see into the realm to which nobody else could see for a few moments, all right, for a few days and such, until, guess what? It became a reality. Before the marriage took place was the dilemma is that she got this news that she is with child. So Mary had to go away for a little while. They thought that it would be better that way to, uh, to rather than trying to explain everything. You know, she, she went away to her, her uh, cousin there, uh, Elizabeth, and she found that Elizabeth was, was also pregnant, and another miracle was taking place and was happening. And uh, it, it was, it's amazing what could take place when God start to show up in the supernatural all types of things start to be affected here's what I'm trying to suggest to you today is that I believe your world is filled with dilemma on purpose I think there are purposes for the dilemmas that are happening in your life because they are literally opportunities for the Holy Spirit to come in with supernatural access and allow for you to be respond and say, I don't know how this is going to work out to bring God, God glory. I don't know how this is, is, is going to benefit anyone. But the one thing that I know is the one whom I've been communicating with on a regular basis, he is real. I, I, the, the scripture verse that says that his spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. We cannot take that lightly. The thing is that no one can take that experience or that encounter away from you. Once you have that assurance that you are in relationship with the creator of all of creation and that you have access because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished, and you are sure of it, no matter what the enemy brings to you, and you're able to say, uh-uh, it doesn't matter about the dilemma. It doesn't matter how impossible this seems. What matters is, is that God, who is always going to be a righteous God, who's always going to be a just God, who's always going to be a merciful God, is working something together so that it will draw people's attention to him. I suggest to you that sometimes God is bringing these unusual events into your life so that you can have a supernatural experience and give someone else supernatural access. Situations will occur from time to time and you can't figure out what's going on. You can't figure out why. 
What, how different would things be if you were to say, Lord, I don't know, but all I know is that I am your servant, and let it be unto me as you think it should be. You know what that's called? The lordship. You recognizing him as the Lord. You getting to the place, you say, you know what? I am not my own. I'm living my life to bring glory and honor to him, even if other people will look at me a little bit different. The second thing I want to talk to you about today with this passage is this, and it comes from verse number 19. It says, his supernatural arrival dispels our distress. Now, Mary had her issues, but Joseph had his, right? Look at this scripture with, verse with me, if you would, please. Go ahead. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly, and he considered this. He had to be a little stressed out over this situation. Right? Even though he didn't make the arrangements... His parents made the arrangements. It's like, this is not the way that it's supposed to go. Maybe she's looked at me. Maybe she's heard some things about me, and she went with somebody else because she didn't like what she's seen in me. How many of you have experienced rejection before? Yeah. And, and you know what? It's unmerited or it's un- unwarranted uh, rejection. So you, you need to understand something today. You have been created by God and you have been put in the family that you're in, living where you're at with regards to the people that are around you. And the Lord has looked at each and every one of us with all of our little idiosyncrasies and says, you are special to me. Don't let anybody ever look at you and tell you that you are anything less than what God's, than God's awesome creation. Amen? We come in all different shapes and sizes, all right? We come with all different types of personalities. And there's some of my, my personalities or my character traits that need to be honed and shaped and formed into his image and his likeness, all right? But listen, when, when, you, when you understand that, that God don't make mistakes, he doesn't make mistakes, you don't have to get stressed out over some of the events that are happening in your life or, or even some of the, the sicknesses or the things that have come your way, you can be able to say, Lord, oh, sure, I want this thorn to be removed. How about take it out, Lord? How about take it out? How about? He says, you know what? My grace is sufficient for you. Now, I want you to know something. I, I, I would choose the, the easy path whenever I can as well, all right? I'm not talking about making things hard just to make them hard, but stress in your life can serve as a motivator when you realize who is ultimately working together for your good. When you can realize that it's just a supernatural activity that is in the making. He gives you access to something. Joseph, who was her fiance, the Bible says was a good man. He didn't want to disgrace her publicly, all right? But I'm a little stressed over the situation. What shall I do? And so he came up with a plan, and that was I was going to divorce her quietly. Now, he had the right to be able to, if he wanted to, to actually have her killed. That seems a little harsh, but that's what was permissible by law. But he decided not to publicly shame her. Instead, he was going to do something else, something less. 
I think in this situation, we see how important it is when the supernatural comes in that we can be merciful. Anyone ever be really disappointed with somebody and their actions? Has, that, has anyone ever really been disappointed? It's just like, oh my goodness, you're, you're killing me. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to, you know, get you to move forward. And in and, and every which way that we, we make a, a, a decision and, and, and go in a particular direction, and all of a sudden you make some crazy decision and mess it all up again. <laughs> that creates some stress. Anybody want to be honest and say you have been the, uh, uh, the, 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 the reason for that stress in someone else's life? Go ahead and raise your hand if that's been you before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when you get supernatural, you have, if you get this mindset, if you get this understanding about how God wants to work supernaturally through you, you can say, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. How many of you, how many of you, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. In your heated and passionate moment, when someone is driving you crazy, stressed you out to the max, does that scripture automatically come to mind? It doesn't, does it? The only way it comes to mind is if you ponder and you intentionally get this and you understand what it is that I'm trying to share with you today from the word of God, that listen, this is an opportunity right now. If you want more mercy in your life, I've got to give more mercy to somebody else. You know what has to die at that moment? That stinking flesh. That rotten flesh. That flesh that is not going to inherit, right, eternal life. It's going to be glorified. It's so rotten. It's so ugly that it's going to be transformed and changed. I'm talking about not your looks, all right? That's in the flesh, all right? But, but the out, outward part of us, you know, that, that, that tent, the imperfect part. How do you do that? You don't do that without supernatural intervention uh, some people say pastor I, I i don't know know how you how you do it how you you keep on giving people opportunities after opportunities over and over and over again and you and and I, I, it's just because it's because i understand that to the degree to which i show mercy it's going to be shown to me and i want him to really give me a lot of mercy i need it i need it you know what i'm saying anybody need mercy today yeah, I know we do, all right, all right. Third, third thing here is supernatural arrival. Jesus coming as a babe enhances our directives. We see a messenger, an angel, and in verse number 20, it says this, Joseph, son of David. The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This message is going to change the very course of every decision that Joseph will make from this point on. It's going to change the direction. Can you imagine how he must have felt, both probably fearful and scared and excited at the same time? Are you talking about me? Are you talking about the right person that I'm going to be privileged enough to be able to name him Jesus? 
the one who will save his people from their sins? I didn't expect this. I didn't anticipate to be this influential. I didn't expect to have this kind of responsibility. Let that settle down for you right now because, you know what, I think a lot of us are walking through life not realizing the responsibility that God has placed upon you. I don't want it to feel heavy. I don't want it to feel overwhelming. I don't want it to feel burdensome. But listen, we've got to understand that God is counting on you. He has put you in place on this earth, and, and, and sometimes he has to change the direction, the selfish direction that you were headed so that he can do something that will bring him glory and honor. And I don't know, I mean, maybe an angel shows up to you. Maybe you have a dream, maybe you have a vision, or maybe you're just reading his word. Maybe you're just meditating upon him. And something starts to come to mind about an involvement that you should have with someone, some intervention that you should make in someone's life. A responsibility to be faithful in someone's life. To talk to them on a regular basis. A a responsibility to be faithful in church service. Can I say that without you feeling like it's self-seeking? Can, can, I, can I let you know something as far as the body of Christ is concerned? You know, it, I, I think this is really important that we get this. Your service unto one another through the ministries that happen here at Central, we have to find a way to totally eradicate that that, that is being done to serve the pastor or to serve the church. We have to get away, get away from that, all right? We have to, and when we embrace that we're serving one another, what we do, we're doing as unto the Lord, all of a sudden this responsibility starts to have its right place. The honor that you have to be on the team of God, not on the team of just central, but on God's team to be representatives of the kingdom. There comes this promotion. There comes this healthy, uh, God-like pride that says, listen, I'm on the winning team. I'm going to hold my tongue when someone is really making me mad because guess what? I'm on God's team. I have a responsibility to represent him right. I'm not perfect. You never will be perfect. But guess what? Someone ought to see the struggle that happens within you as you struggle to be everything that God wants you to be. And sometimes people are so afraid of being real. Okay, that's part of our our vision that we have is that we will be a real people serving a real God and making a real difference. They're afraid to be real because they think that they've got to be perfect all the time. I suggest to you there's a problem with people who try to be or appear perfect all the time. Because it's unrealistic. And the world knows it. And how much better it would be for your direction in your life once God, by the power of his supernatural experience, starts to come into you, shows you how to make things right after you've done a wrong. Are you hearing me today? The responsibility that, you know what, if we say something out of line, that we go ahead and make it right. I got into that a little bit on the Facebook and, and the tangent that I was going on last week. But, but really, seriously, anything you think about, it is so important for us as far as parents in this place to be able to teach kids how to say, I'm sorry. And to make a change and to do something different. That's the about face. That's, that's the turning around. And, and, and so many times... 
we want to appear as if we got it all together rather than appearing as humble. We find here that Joseph was probably afraid because that's what God sent the messenger to say. There's going to be some moments when you're going to be afraid and he's going to say, I'm going to take you on a path. I'm going to take you on a direction different than what you ever thought that you could go or um, becoming more influential than what you ever thought you could be. But don't, don't throw it aside. Don't cast it off because of the fear. Walk into the moment. Walk into the opportunity. Look to him as the one who is going to promote you and build you up and give you everything that you have need of, all right? Let that courage come in you because you say, listen, it may be too much for me, but it's not too much for him. Fourth area I want to look at is this supernatural arrival of this baby makes meaningful our declarations. It's so important for us to realize that what comes out of your mouth helps to shape the lives and the people that are around you. Helps to shape what, what people think and what they feel and, and, and how they're either motivated or not motivated. <laughs> now, the declaration that was made was made from... Um, from, from an angel, or in, I mean, at one point in time, but uh, also was by, by the prophet. Let's go ahead and look at the scripture verse here. Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 comes from an Old Testament passage in Isaiah 7, 14. It says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, it's important for you to realize that the declaration of God being with us and the realization of it are two different things. You can declare it, but you may not live like it. I wonder what would happen if we started to live as if God is with us on a regular basis. If in this declaration, his supernatural arrival, if we understood Seriously, that God could suspend the natural operation of mankind, the way in which a baby would come in here, certainly he could take the declarations that would come out of my mouth and make a difference in other people's lives. And you could look at some of the most seemingly impossible situations and you could find a way and say, I don't know how, but God's got this. God will come into your life and he will begin to show you a way where there was no way, right? I think the song says that. I'm not sure that that's scripture. But it's important for us to realize that he makes a way where there was no way. The declaration that is being made here is, is, is something that's just, it, it, it's unheard of. It's never happened before. And yet, it seems like the whole Jewish nation was caught by surprise. Now, they all embrace these particular passages. They all embrace these particular prophecies, but nobody was looking for it to truly be experienced and become a realization, at least not by anybody that they know. And what I'm suggesting to you today is that we, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we're walking around not realizing the potential that is within each and every one of us, that someone is going to have a word that someone is going to have access from the things in the spirit realm. And, and God is going to use the seemingly common individuals and people, which could be all of us, 
and said, I'm going to work through you to perform a miracle. I'm going to work through you to be a blessing to somebody else's life. What I'm suggesting today is that won't happen unless you understand the power of the supernatural access that you have through the birth of Jesus Christ. It's important for you to realize that that he is doing something in your life that causes for the words that come out of your mouth to bring either life or death to people. When people leave your presence after they've been in a conversation, are, are they, do they feel enriched? Do they feel built up? Or do they feel heavy on a regular basis? Just a little self-evaluation for right now. When, when, when people speak to other people of, of your presence or being around you, after they've been there, it's like, oh my goodness, yeah, so-and-so, Frank or Joe. I mean, every time I get around them, I just feel so great. I feel so lifted up. I feel like we could do anything. Or are they left with, oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't have to say anything more to that, right? It's so important for us to realize that while we aren't all prophets, we all can be used with words of declaration. And the word of prophecy, all right, is something that is not just foretold as far as future reading, but it is a proclamation of something that you know to be truth that bears witness within the heart of all of those people who are hearing it. We could prophesy, right? Can these dry bones live? Only you know. I'm going from Ezekiel. You can look it up if you aren't familiar with the passage. In Ezekiel chapter 37, the Lord takes his prophet Elijah out and says, looks looks upon this, this valley of dry bones, and he says, hey, can these dry bones live? And at first he says, well, you alone know that, Lord. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in charge of that. I'm not, I'm not in the power place of that, right? Then he starts to say, you prophesy. You tell those dry bones. You begin to speak specifically to what needs to happen. You begin to, be, what, what is you? you're like, well, I don't feel that gift of prophecy upon me. Listen, you have the truth within you. You need to start looking at the situations that are around you and you need to begin coming against those situations that are contrary to the word of God and you need to begin speaking life into those situations. For your lost loved ones who don't know Christ, you don't have to get in their face and if they don't want to hear it, you don't have to keep on saying, but I know you don't want to hear this, but I'm going to tell you it over and over and over and over again and you don't become irritating, but you, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, you become sensitive and the sensitivity says to them, I love you. You may not understand this, but I love you. And you can say it different times. God will give you the words. Listen, if he gave it to Ezekiel, in the beginning of Ezekiel chapter 2, we find where, where Ezekiel's being called, and he doesn't know what to say to the people because they are hard-headed, and, and, and they can't understand things. And, and, and Ezekiel says, Lord, I can't do this. Send me to some people who are of obscure speech, people who don't speak my language, because they'll listen to me more than the people who are of my language, who are of my family. He says, don't worry about it. He says, they're, they're hard-headed. They're, they've got heads, foreheads like flint. He says, it's all right, I'm going to make you more hard-headed. Got any hard-headed people in here? Yeah. I, he says, I, I, here's what I get out of this. I, I, I see that the Lord wants to give us a word to give to other people. 
And, and we're waiting, all right? And, and I understand the sensitivity to the spirit, but it doesn't have to be some super spiritual moment that you wait for the Lord to, to give you something in the sense of, uh, 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 of that you, that you um, didn't have in any other manner or way. How about ministering out of the overflow that you have with the time that you spent with God in his word, praying and letting him talk to you? Hmm. I don't want to belittle or, or take down the whole prophetic gift because there are those who have a, a, the gift of prophecy and they're, they're useful to the body. But I'm, I'm saying your words will make a difference in people's lives. And lastly is this. Praise team, come if you would, please. His supernatural arrival influences our behavior. Our behavior. Matthew says that when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He just did it. Right? He did as the Lord commanded him. You know what the the word for that is? He obeyed. (laughs) Some people say, well, I obeyed eventually. We have this thing in the training world in our culture in which we live when a child is uh, um, learning the value of being threatened that they will get beaten if they don't do something by the time you count to three. Anyone hear that one before? Well, that's not quite the way it's supposed to work. But anyway, that's, but they, they would tell them to do something and they'll say, I'm going to give you the three. One, two, two and a quarter, two and a half. almost three because we don't want to have to get to that point we really want to actually have to do something that will get their attention now I'm not saying that's all wrong I'm just saying I love I love the time in which we can go towards first time obedience I love it when it goes all the way from I mean there's, there's an appropriate depending on the child's age to give them a little time to process that if you want to count it out, you can count it out. I just like looking at it and say, all right, I'm, I'm waiting here. I'm, I'm, but I'm not going to wait long because it's first time. Will be. We, we need to get the body of Christ to where when we understand that God says to do something, that we don't have to have all the whys or the hows behind it answered. All we got to do is know that the thus saith the Lord and we move into action. Move into action. You know how filled up it makes you when you give directions to somebody that you're responsible for in a job that you're actually trying to get done. And they obey immediately and they do that. You know how it fills you up. Don't you want to fill up the heart of God that same manner way? When he says to you, go talk to that person. Go forgive that person. Go demonstrate kindness to that person who has not shown you kindness. Go give to this person. Really, Lord? One. (laughs) Two. You you, you can't see him doing that, right? Everyone understands that, right? But Joseph 
when Joseph woke up, the Bible says he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took Mary as his wife. He didn't have any relations, physical relations with her. And, and we see that the blessings of God would continue to follow. We would see that their life would be forever changed. There were going to be more dilemmas. There was going to be more drama. There was going to be more, right, distress. They're going to need further direction. But it doesn't matter because guess what? They have a supernatural experience through this baby coming to earth. This baby being made in the form of flesh. God himself coming. And, and all of a sudden, because of that, they have access to something that's outside of the realms of this world. That's, what I, that's the way I want to live. I want to become so heavenly minded so that I can be earthly good. Right? It's not too much of that. I think we, when we get heavenly minded, we will become earthly good. And the more try, the way in which we try to not be heavenly minded, because we do it in the natural, it shuts things down. But how about doing it his way? How about getting caught up in, in the spirit realm? How about to the point where we get taken away once in a while in the spirit realm? We forget about everything else that's around us. And all of a sudden, hey, you know what? You go do your thing. I feel like the Lord's calling me to the prayer closet right now. I feel like he's calling me to worship right now. You know what? Uh, someone talks about some things that they can or cannot do. They want to watch a certain show. They want to go to a certain place. Well, you can go ahead and go there, but I can't go there right now because God's calling me to something else. That's what's going to open up the avenue for supernatural encounters and experiences. Father, we thank you right now for your working in our lives and doing something that we cannot do for ourselves. I pray, God, that you would just cause for us to approach this Christmas season with a different perspective than what we've approached it in even years past that we would understand the miracle of you coming to this earth. You suspended all kinds of natural things. <laughs> and when people got a hold of it and they responded to your supernatural intervention, then more supernatural things began to take place. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Thank you for giving us the story, the account about how important it was when Joseph said, yep, count me in. Mary said, count me in. They obeyed. How important it was. Lord, move right now. Hmm. I really sense that with every head bowed and every eye closed, there's some people here today that are holding on to some things. And the Lord is dealing with you about, about certain things to, to let go of. And, and you know that as long as you hold on to those things, that they're hindrances to you having the, the level and the intimacy relationship with the Lord the way in which he wants it. And he's calling you to let go of it. Maybe you just got to, out of priority, you got the wrong things in the wrong way, the wrong order of priority. And he says to you, start to put me first. Start to put me first right now. 
You know who you are. You know exactly what it is that the Lord is dealing with you about it. And you say, I've got to let go. This thing is, 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 is killing me. It's eating at me. It could be unforgiveness. It could be anger. It could be hurt. There could be bitterness over what you have in the comparison to someone else. I don't know what it is. But God is saying to you, let go of it. Let me come in in a supernatural way and bring to you a fulfillment and a joy. You know who you are, every head bowed and every eye closed, but you're going to lift up your hand and you're going to have a Holy Spirit do something in your life today. Come on, that journey, that journey to, to changing, to turning things over is going to change. Yeah, come on, come on, pick it up, pick it up right now. Right now, all across this sanctuary, you know that the Lord is dealing about giving something up. Some, some, oh, maybe it's worry. So, so, someone's concerned. Yeah, you know, and you've got to let go of that worry. I let go of it. I let go of it. I let go of it. Come on, tell him right now. If you want to keep your hand up, you can. But you can put it down if you want as well. But, but right now, I'm letting go of it all. And I'm trusting that because I acknowledge a supernatural God, that I'll have a supernatural encounter. And I'm going to have access to things right now. Thank you, Lord, for those hands. I pray for every hand that was raised just a moment ago. And I pray, God, that as they say, I'm letting go. I'm making up my mind that I'm not going to let this thing supersede the plans that you have for my life. I'm not going to become consumed with things that I try to figure out in the natural. I understand you are a supernatural God, and you have suspended things in the past, and you'll do it still here in the, fu in the future, in the now in the future. Thank you, God, for working and moving. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, God, for as they turn that over, that they feel that freedom, they feel that liberty. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You may be here today, and maybe you raised your hand already, or maybe you didn't, but you say, Pastor, I need to get my life right with the Lord. I need to accept him and truly make him my Lord and my Savior. I know about him. I know what he's done for me. But I haven't committed my life to him. And today, I want to, without reservation, make a commitment to live all my days for him.